the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I give you praise and I give you thanks, O living God, for this glorious truth, this wonderful message from heaven. My God, my God, we give you praise. Everybody said hallelujah. You have a Bible this morning. We're going to look in the old book, you know, that's where it's all at. There are things that the Bible certainly teaches us to be wary of. And, uh, for an example, Colossians 2 and 8 said, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That's just a little aside, no extra charge. I'll drop you in on that. But uh, we, you know, people ascribe to different things. People wind up following different things and listening to different voices. And, uh, but we have our ear to hear what the Spirit has to say. And we are basing everything on chapter and verse, subject matter, the doctrine of Christ, known as the Apostles' Doctrine. And we're not going to allow anything to cause us to go to the right or to the left or, God forbid, backwards. But we're going to continue on the straight and the narrow that leads to life eternal. Everybody said amen. amen. And it's going to take commitment. It's going to take effort. It's going to take dedication and faithfulness. And uh, the world is reeling uh, to and fro. And people are getting more and more confused as the days go by. And I think that you're going to see people uh, truly manifested to be in the valley of decision and, and a lot of confusion among people in their minds and their thinking. And uh, young people coming up, who will teach them? What will they be taught? What will be their, be be their beliefs be? And so, very important. I'm uh, in the Bible this morning. Turn to Luke chapter 8 and verse 1. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass afterward that he went, he being Jesus, he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And to brighten up your day, ladies, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's servant, steward rather, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. I thought you would like that, ladies. I threw that in for you. I want to work for a little while this morning on showing yourselves to this world, showing yourselves to this world. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The uh, book of Acts, which of course is the fifth book of the New Testament, and it is and does contain the history of the birth of the only church that Jesus ever built, Matthew 16. 16 through 18, spoke of him building this church. And uh, 
He said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So it sure lets you know that the gates of hell are coming against it, but they're not going to be able to prevail, and we can rest in that, hope in that, trust in that, and be thankful for that. And uh, it's often been said, you know, read the back of the book. As we come out winter, the church that is, the body of Christ, which is universal, which is the body of Christ which Jesus uh, gave birth to and sent them forth into all the known world. And that's where you begin with Acts chapter 2, how that the original church, the one that Jesus started and, and built, that, he, that which he gave birth to, and the Bible said there they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with tongues or languages as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance or the ability to do so. All was about 120 that had stepped away from family, friends, employers, employees, all kinds of influences as they obeyed the words of Jesus Christ. He said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And they left from the Mount of Olives in Bethany, and they went on down to Jerusalem, and that's when they assembled together in that upper room of the church house. That's where they praised and worshipped him. And in so doing, then the scripture teaches, as we quoted, that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And uh, as that church, that body of Christ then, immediately uh, met with opposition because there were those that began to mock and make fun and accused them of being drunk. and uh, But Peter didn't deny that they were drunk or intoxicated. Uh, it was just a matter of what they were drunk and intoxicated on. And what they were drunk and intoxicated on was the new wine, which was the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the living God that had been promised and was now poured out for the first time for whosoever will. That's the key. For whosoever will, that's your John 3.16, because now uh, the veil was rent in twain when he was crucified on the cross. And uh, I suppose a mighty angel just took a sword and cut that veil of the temple right in half and signified that from now on, grace and mercy is out and reaching to everybody everywhere. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what continent or what island or what country or nationality or skin color or any uh, language, anything. It doesn't make any difference that God was going to reach through his church for everybody everywhere. And so they went, there's about 120, they broke away from the uh, pull and the restraints of people and uh, traditions of men and ideas. And they broke away from all of that. And they were obedient to him. And they went and they assembled together. And that's when they were filled with the free gift of the Holy Ghost. All right, that taking place, then the scripture teaches that Peter began to give the first sermon on this first day of the church. And as he began to give forth that sermon, then the Bible teaches very plainly that uh, 17 plus nations were represented. That was the whole known world at that time. And they were represented and they marveled because they said, how hear we every man in our own tongue or language wherein we were born. What a marvelous miracle it was as God filled these about 120 with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak out in languages that they did not know. They did not naturally know. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And everybody said, hallelujah. hallelujah. Let's give God a big hand. Thank God and thank God. So, um, Sister Williams, I saw your better half come in. Why don't you go grab him, and I'd like him to come sit with you today.
That'd be all right? Thank you. So we'll have a special treat today. So uh, anyway, the scripture teaches that that beautiful uh, body of Christ that was birthed that day and begin, as I said, to speak out in another language as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. It was a marvelous miracle because people were from many different countries, the whole known world, and they were hearing different ones among that 120 uh, speak to them the wonderful works of God in, a, in their language that they, their native country and their native language. And it was a marvel and it was great. And Peter began to preach. Peter began to bring forth a message. And as he brought forth the message, then the Bible teaches, of course, that uh, there were those that uh, were withstanding and, and were kind of against and mocking and making fun. But it didn't matter. There'll always be opposition. There'll always be voices that go against. But that never stops the church. It never stops the body of Christ. And, and this is what uh, Peter and the rest of them begin to show forth the glory of God. They begin to show forth the magnificence of his spirit and his power as, uh, as people were listening and, and giving attention. And then the Bible teaches, and this was where it was so, uh, it, is, it is in such a clear and concise Chapter and verse, and that's what I tell people almost every day of my life. I'm telling people that Acts 2.38, to read it, it is the most important verse in the whole Bible. And everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right then, so I'm saying to you, I, you know, I was uh, going past the airport yesterday and I got up over the high part of it uh, to I-95 and I got caught the light there. Hate when that light catches me, but there it was. And so I'm sitting there, and it was a, I'm standing, sitting there in the car, and there was a lady uh, that was um, asking for alms, right? Like in, in the book of Acts. And um, she had a little sign, you know. And, and uh, you know, usually I don't do that. We, we give through channels, and uh, we, we try to help everybody everywhere in the best way we can. And, um, but I confess to you in line not, I... I had a little soft spot hit my heart because she only had one leg. And she was standing there uh, with a, a walker. And um, so I put the window down, and I gave her a little offering. It wasn't much, but I gave her a little something. I told her, I don't usually do this. I said, but I'm going to give this to you. And then I reached to get a card, and I didn't have an invitation in English. I only had Spanish and Creole left. I'd given all the English ones out. So I said, well, look. Read Acts 2.30. There's <laughs> the most important verse in the whole Bible. Meanwhile, the light changed. I'm sitting there trying to preach to this woman, and I've got umpteen cars behind me, and uh, you, but you know, nobody honked at me. Now, you know, usually uh, the definition of a picosecond, which is like one trillionth of a second, uh, usually the definition of that is that's how long, a picosecond is how long it takes for the first horn to honk once the light turns green. And, uh, but nobody honked. It was, a, it was amazing. And so, anyway, I realized it and I hit the, got out of there. And, and uh, but I'm saying to you that right there in Acts chapter 2, the church has been given birth to. It's the first day. And Peter's preaching the first sermon. If ever it was a time to tell people how. To be saved. Boy, that was it right there. Right then and there. And, and they cried out. 17 plus nations lifting up their voice. And they, as Peter came to the conclusion of his sermon, and they cried out and they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Or in other words, what's the next step? What, what's the next thing for us to do? We've heard you preach. We're convicted in our hearts. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, it couldn't be any plainer or any more concise as one lawyer in this town told me. Acts 2.38 says it in a nutshell, doesn't it? And I said, yes, it does. Yes, it does. And, and blessed are your eyes, ears, and mind that you see that and realize that. And let me tell you something. It was a blessed day for those 17-plus nations when they heard that sermon and that message and that truth. And the Bible teaches that 
uh, the apostle Peter went on to tell him, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off. There's a promise here that needs to be communicated to a lost and dying world. Yes, and we can reduce that world down for us to the lowest terms, and that is to our Tri-City area. And, uh, you know, you, you can put big numbers, uh, but if you can reduce them down, it makes it a little more understandable, doesn't it? I like when they are even and they reduce right down to one half. I got that. That's not too difficult. Well, let's get it down to reducing it to our area. We've got a lot of needs and a lot of challenges. We've got every day uh, babies are being born, and they're going to grow up. And who's going to teach them? And what are they going to be taught? What kind of teaching? Are they going to be following philosophies and rudiments of men? Are they going to be following the rapsters, the rappers and the gangsters? Are they going to be following all different kinds of uh, mass media and things that are being brought in? I'm going to tell you what. I told somebody uh, the other day, I said, what's going on? Every time I read the paper, reading about uh, policemen shooting people, and uh, seemingly unprovoked and unnecessary. I said, maybe they're playing too many video games, huh? Maybe they're involved in interacting with too much violence themselves. Because I don't ever remember uh, growing up as a young person that, that policemen were running around and, and so uncontrolled, just shooting people left and right, people standing right in front of you with their hands up and they're shooting them. It's something terrible happening here. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think it's got anything to do with race. I think it's got everything to do with the devil and people just out of control and they don't know what they're doing and they're scared and they're mixed up and they're fearing for their lives. People need this truth. People need the security. You know, there's false doctrine that's called eternal security. But you don't want to throw the baby away with the bathwater. Because God does offer eternal security. And the fullness of it is once saved, always saved, if you stay saved. Okay? And once in grace, always in grace, if you will stay under grace. And so it's important that you realize that God is saying, I'll put you in a hand that no man will pluck you out of. That there is a, a wonderful verses like, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm, I, he is the Lord thy God that doth go with thee. He doth go before thee. And be brave, be courageous, the book said, because of that. So the Bible teaches very plainly that Jesus was in the days of his flesh. Isn't it sad that people are not being taught enough to get the light or the revelation of who God is? People have a, you cannot approach this book with a natural mindset. The natural man does not receive the things of God. Jesus said, John 3 and 5, you must be born again. So you're getting a, you're getting a second chance here. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, we've all done it wrong. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been concluded under sin. Now we have a, an opportunity, a second chance. See Guadalupe coming in. Thank God for his second chance. We can get him baptized in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Give God a big hand. All right. So I'm saying to you that you have an opportunity. You have a second chance. Jesus said you must be. He didn't say you could be. It's negotiable. It'd be nice. He said, you must be born again off water and of the Spirit, or you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. And uh, he made it clear, that which is flesh or that which is natural is natural. That which is physical, that which is of this world is of this world. But that which is spirit or spiritual, that which is of God, that which is of spirit is spirit, Okay. And we've got to latch on to the spiritual. We've got to look to the spiritual realm. And Jesus is going through now the days of his flesh. In other words, God, the Bible said, 
was manifest or clearly shown and demonstrated in the flesh. God was shown in the flesh. That's what 1 Timothy 3.16 teaches right there. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness because God was manifest in the flesh because God, according to John 4 and 24 and other verses, is a spirit. He's a spirit. He's not a stick and stone. He's not, he's not uh, some inanimate object. He's not some figment of somebody's imagination. But God is a spirit. He's everywhere at the same time. He knows everything. He ha he's all-powerful. And so he chose. He made choice. He didn't counsel with anybody else. Michael, come on, I want to see what you think. He didn't do that. Okay? When he called order in the court, he would announce to the heavenly host, if he chose to, what he was going to do. Okay? And if he threw out a question, it was what we call a rhetorical question. It was to uh, enlighten them and engage them and make them realize that he was about to implement a plan. And so uh, people want to inject all kinds of theories and use terms and terminologies that are not in the Scripture. But you and I are going to stay with chapter and verse. We're going to stay with subject matter. We're not going to use terms and terminologies that are not represented in the Scripture. And so the Bible teaches you that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. And so God is a spirit. God is not a man. God is not a figment of imagination. He's not some inanimate, dead object. Matter of fact, God's not dead at all, thank God. He's very much alive. He's very, we serve the living God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. And he's your God too. All right? So you want to be glad that he's very much alive. Okay? That he's very much alive. And that he's looking at you. And he's pulling your heart. He's wanting to bring you into truth. He's wanting to get you out of uh, thinking naturally and all tied up by people's terms and, and religious ideas and, and denominational thinking. He wants to bring you to the purity of the doctrine of Christ. He wants to reveal to you the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the days of his flesh, because, and where did that flesh come from? No flesh in heaven, the Bible teaches. That flesh came from Mary, because the Spirit of the Lord overshadowed Mary, and she brought forth that child, okay? supernaturally, because God is a spirit and he spoke the word. Just as he said, let there be light, and there was light, so he spoke the word, and according to the book of Matthew, that which was conceived in Mary was of his Holy Spirit. And then after the due course of nature, which would be about nine months, that she brought forth that holy thing. That's what your Bible used. That holy thing. That's what your Bible termed it. And she brought forth that child, and she wrapped him in her swaddling clothes. And she and Joseph protected that child. And then the time came, according to the Scriptures, that he was shown to Israel, the land and the country and the people in which he lived at that time. And did you ever notice how the enemy can put out false thoughts and words and thinkings and get everybody fighting over something that's that's not even true because they they were missing it because they thought that he came from nazareth but he didn't come from nazareth did he he came from bethlehem right came from bethlehem as the prophecy was in the book of micah and was fulfilled and uh but they they got it and in their heads and they begin to argue and they say as one man tried to be a voice of reason and tried to get them to consider what was going on and the great things that Jesus was doing and uh, the scriptures and what they taught and the things that were being fulfilled before their very eyes. And these religious people fought. And they said, you go search the scripture. No prophet ariseth out of Nazareth. That's that famous verse. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth, right? And, uh, but he didn't come out of Nazareth. He came out of Bethlehem, a house of bread. And, uh, friend, he was the whole loaf, let me tell you. He's everything. In him dwell the fullness of the very God bodily. 
He wasn't just another prophet. He said to the disciples, whom do men say that I am? Well, they say you're this, that one, the other one, the other one, the other one. And somebody really got nasty and said, you're one of the old prophets risen up. That wasn't very nice, was it? And he said, well, who do you say that I am? And that's when the Spirit of the Lord spoke through Peter. And said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus confirmed that and said, flesh and blood. That's not natural what you just said. But that is of my Father. That is of the, a reference to the Spirit. You see, the first thing the natural mind will say, see, it said Father. Jesus said Father. So there must be an old man up there and a bird flapping around. That's not what the Bible teaches. God is a Spirit. Okay? God, the, our Father is a Spirit. And there came a time when he chose to robe himself in flesh. And the word that was God was made flesh. John 1 and 1 and 14. And dwelt among them. Yes, sir. What? It should not be difficult. It, and it isn't if you'll allow God to open your understanding to the scripture. Spirit in flesh. That's what it boils down to. God is a spirit, and he chose to come in the flesh. The invisible chose to show himself visibly. And that visible manifestation was the sacrifice prepared before the foundation of the world. That sacrifice that would be given on the cross of Calvary for the sin of the whole world. And as Jesus in the days of his flesh, went about doing good. We got that name Jesus because the angel was sent and said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The Spirit has sent this flesh as the Savior, as the Messiah that you were told about. The difference is not going to be like the other prophets. He's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. In him dwell the fullness, not part. I have part. I have the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I have a measure. I have the Holy Ghost by the Spirit by measure. And anybody that gets the gift of the Holy Ghost, you get the Spirit by measure. But in him, in his flesh, dwell the fullness, Bible word, of the Godhead bodily. Alright? Spirit in flesh. Don't buy into doctrines of men and terms that were introduced by people who split and left the original church and surfaced in Rome and started a denomination that is with us even to this day. And they fought the original teachings of the apostles who never taught anything but one God who was manifest in the flesh and whose name was Jesus Christ. And as he, Jesus, in the days of his flesh, went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil, the Bible said he was going from city to city and village and that he was showing them the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the Spirit. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. And as they, as he went about doing that, he was showing people something. He was showing them how his kingdom was to be. And he made it clear in his teachings that the kingdom of God doth not come with observation. Don't get something natural. Didn't they later on say, when wilt thou restore the kingdom again to Israel? And Jesus slapped that aside, and he said, That's you should know about it. Get your mind on getting in that upper room and getting the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, church family, if we can get this tri-city area that they're always talking, we need to bring in this, we need to bring in that, and God knows what's on the radio now that, uh, that they took away our radio station and brought in something new and I guess modern, and uh, you know, 
They're, they're going to try to bring in all kinds of philosophy and try to shape just like they're doing in the school system. They're going to try to shape the, the young minds of people. But I'm going to tell you right now, we need to be shaped and molded by the word of Almighty God and we don't need denominational teaching. We don't need terms and words that came hundreds of years later, centuries later as it did from Rome. And they begin to come up with all kinds of things trying to explain something spiritual with a natural concept. They begin to carve God up. They begin to say he was three persons. Co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent. None of those terms are in the Bible. Neither is the overall term for that false doctrine in the Bible. But that came from, from philosophers. Men who came into the original teachings and left it. They fought against the apostles and the prophets. And as I said, they... They migrated over to Rome because Rome was a world power at that time. And people like that gravitate towards money and power. And the apostles said there would be those, even of our own selves, that would rise up to draw people away after themselves. And that's what they did. And they began to come up with all kinds of unspiritual philosophies that were opposite the teachings of the Bible and the apostles, and Jesus Christ himself being that chief cornerstone. And as they, as they increased in their numbers, uh, they fought the church and drove the church underground. And, and that was where Ezekiel's prophecy of a dark and cloudy day was fulfilled, okay, between the 4th and the 5th century. But the church was never defeated. The church resurfaced, and God made the way. For the church and the church kept on and the church that jesus started nobody's ever stopped it nobody ever will it has continued on and the weapons of all warfare are not tanks and guns and grenades or any kind of natural physical weapons but we're born again we've gotten a second chance and and we have the fruit of the spirit being developed in our lives and the weapons of our warfare are mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds everybody said amen and so God's church has gone forward in prayer and fasting. God's church has gone forward in witnessing and teaching and laying hands on the sick and seeing God confirm his word. Oh, my friend, let me tell you, it's a marvelous thing. Brother Small sitting right back there in the corner. And I tell you again, what a marvelous miracle. I, they had looked like every kind of machine hooked up to him. And, and uh, there was you know, just about no hope that he would live. But he's walked in this church again now, and there's no wires and there's no hookups, and God brought him out of ICU and others that God has done things for that are here and walking this morning. Amen. Brother Franklin doesn't have a cane anymore or a walker anymore. He's walking because God's the healer. Amen. And I'm so glad God is our healer. Amen. One of the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of healing. Amen. So as the church went forward, then I want you to understand that that's how you got Romans to Revelation. Because God's church, as it went out into the community and into the known world, then it began to reach into areas like Rome, like Galatia, like Ephesus, like Philippi, and Thessalonica, and Corinth, and other places. And as they did, Works were started, and people were one to the Lord. That is, people were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then they were being taught, and, and epistles were being written, messages from the apostles, and Romans to Revelation we possess today. And as they persevered and birthed new works, then yes, those works, those congregations, struggled in those new areas uh, in their infancy because there was much onslaught of the enemy and the gates of hell that tried to destroy and defeat everything. But Jesus made it clear, the gates of hell shall not prevail. And so the church marched on. And here we are almost 2,000 years down the road. The body of Christ in its universal presence is reaching people everywhere, preaching the same message, bringing the same 
doctrine, revealing the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what a glorious experience it is. I received a text this morning from a brother out in uh, Oklahoma area, and he told me that he just baptized an Assembly of God minister. Isn't that wonderful? Give God a big hand. <laughs> baptized him in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. How marvelous for people to get their understanding open that there's one God. Your Bible teaches Genesis to Revelation, one God. But they, the enemy put his little falseness in there, and he said, well, it's one God, but, you know, and he, I guess he had to admit there was one God because the Bible said he knows it, he trembles about it. <laughs> That's what the Bible said. And, uh, but yet it didn't stop him from in a very sly way, just like he did to Eve. Hath God said that thou shalt surely, you know, die? Just put a little doubt in there, put a little false in there, and God, God heard him looking wrong and thinking wrong, and pretty soon she was doing wrong. And so it, so it is that he got people to believing that, that God is uh, carved up into three persons and, and, uh, and they're co-equal and they're co-eternal and they're co-existent. And anything that God is and anything that God says, the devil sets out to be opposite it. And hence, we're going not only to face the spirit of Antichrist, but we're going to face the Antichrist, that wicked one, that son of perdition, the church will. And uh, I don't know if I'll be alive or you'll be alive, but I know there'll be a body of Christ here and representing Jesus Christ to face that Antichrist, to face that false one that will come. And people will uh, marvel at the things, that, the miracles that he'll be able to perform and the powers of deception that he's going to foist on this lost and dying world. And I want you to understand, though, the church is going to prevail. The church is going to keep on preaching and bringing the truth. The church is going to keep on showing the world that there's one God and his name above every name is Jesus Christ. Amen and amen and amen. Well, as the church in its infancy begin to go forth, then the Bible teaches in the 18th chapter of the book of Acts that um, there was an individual and uh, his name was Apollos. And it said, and a certain Jew named Apollos, verse 24 of Acts 18, uh, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. In other words, his knowledge only went so far. His revelation at this point had only gone so far. What he had up to that point was correct. And he was diligent and mighty and eloquent in it. But that's as far as it went. But he, his spirit was going to be tested this day. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue or in the church house. Whom when Aquila and Priscilla, which was a man and his wife, had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when they did, he weighed that out against the scriptures. And he got his understanding open. Okay, I, I see that that's true, that's right. And when he was disposed to pass through Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, to receive Apollos, who when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he, Apollos, mightily convinced the Jews. And that publicly, showing that's the key word this morning, showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Showing by the Scriptures. Chapter and verse, subject matter, as it is written, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's no contradiction in the Bible, but there's a lot of contradiction in the minds of people who think naturally, okay? So it's very important. I remember a, a, years ago there was a, Belglade Herald, and, and the building right next to Seminole Supply, they had a newspaper there, and uh, there was a young lady working at the front counter, and I had gone in there to put in an ad or something, and, and uh, I remember trying to witness to her a little bit, and she seemed to be a college graduate, maybe in her mid-twenties, and, and um, she began to kind of come against me, and she said, well, the Bible's full of contradictions. I said, no, no, it's not really. She said, yeah. And so she 
uh, tried to point out uh, about the genealogies. And I said, well, the problem you have there, as I said, one genealogy there is reckoned after the mother's side, and the other is reckoned after the father's side. I said, there's no contradiction. It's, you know, like your DNA chain, right? You know? And so uh, I believe that shut her up, whether or not it helped her to believe. But some people, you know, some people don't want to believe. Some people just want to keep coming up with something that helps them to feel justified in not believing and in going on in their ways and doing their things. But you know what? All of those kind of justifications and rationalizations, they're going to come to a, a screeching halt one day. They're going to come to an end when the heavens roll together like a scroll and the stars fall from heaven and every island is moved and every mountain is moved out of its place. And men will pray for death on the day of God's wrath and the wrath of the Lamb. It's going to come to a screeching halt. I'm telling you, you want to believe. You want to believe on Jesus as the Scripture hath said. Okay? And if you do that, you're going to receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. And that you're going to be given a river inside of you, springing up into eternal life. Being baptized in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, is what's going to bring you forgiveness for all of your sins. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or full pardon. But he shed the blood on the cross. He being Jesus. The man Christ Jesus gave that body, that sacrifice on the cross. Okay? He did that for you. He did that to give you a second chance. He get, did that for you that you might be born again of water and of the Spirit. That you, my friend, might believe the truth and be made free from false doctrine, from the grips of the devil and the dragon. And so Apollos, he was showing people and he was showing by the scripture. And that's the way that Jesus was Christ. That's the way it's got to be done, church family. It's got to be done by the scripture. You can't do it naturally. The natural man does not receive the things of God. It's going to take spiritual, okay? It's going to take a person starting to think like God thinks. Look at things from God's point of view. Get in God's mind and look out through his eyes, and, and you'll see things correctly then. You'll see it from God's point of view. And in the book of Titus, again, teaching to the body of Christ. You know, Romans to Revelation is not for sinners. Romans to Revelation is to the body of Christ. It's the book of Acts is where a person finds and experiences the true salvation of God. All right? Everything from Genesis through uh, uh, the Gospel of John is, is pointing to the book of Acts. And everything from Revelation back through Romans is pointing to the book of Acts. But when you hit the book of Acts and you get this experience and it brings you into the body of Christ, then you're saved. You're saved from sin. You're saved because you repented. You're saved because you got baptized in Jesus' name and his, the blood that's in his name washes you clean. Okay, when we baptize you here in this tank in the name of Jesus Christ, it, the water does not turn red. Okay, we're not doing any magic acts. We're not putting spooky dust on your pew and we're not, we're not putting um, any red dye in the water. Okay, we're not doing anything like that. It's the name of of Jesus Christ. The blood is in that name. He's the one that died on the cross. Okay. And so when you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the scripture said it's for the remission or the full pardon, forgiveness of all of your sins. And so, and when we bring you up out of the water, and we're batting a thousand, I've baptized an awful lot of people, and, and we've always brought them up out of the water. We don't keep anybody down there. The only thing that stays down there is the, the old you. Your old nature. That's the burial, being buried with Christ. You repent, and you've crucified that old person, and that's what we bury when we baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And when we bring you up out of the water, you're coming up into newness of life. You're being born again off water, coming up out of the water. And then the Spirit of God is going to come on you, and you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And everybody said, praise the Lord. And that completes the new birth experience of water and of the Spirit that enables you to both see and enter the kingdom of God. That's the original teaching 
That's the original plan of salvation, and that's what the church, we be the church, continue on with. No changes at all, okay? Everybody said praise the Lord. So the church, in going into new areas and reaching new people and raising up new congregations, then the apostles were inspired of God to write messages or epistles, and that's how you got Romans to Revelation. And so they were letters to help the infant uh, congregations to stand up and to grow in grace and knowledge and to go forward and to mature. And so, and of course, strong meat belonged to them that are full age. They were trying to help the congregations get to full age, even to the point to where sometimes they wrote and said, you know, you really ought to be a teacher by now. And instead, we've got to teach you again the first principle of the doctrine of Christ. Well, you've got to stick with the truth, church family. There's always going to be opposition. And, and it's going to come from so-called family. It's going to come from so-called friends. It's going to come from people on your job. It's going to come from all kinds of different angles. And that people are going to try to get you to deviate, okay, and get influenced by things that the apostles knew nothing about and never taught. We want to stay right with the Scriptures. And so as we read in Titus chapter 2, once again, key word being showing showing. But in verse 1 he said, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. You want to be very cautious about things people say and the doctrines that they introduce. I met a Jewish man one time. He fixed watches at the mall and uh, it seems this fellow's watch had broken and I took it there. And, and um, a Jewish man and, and uh, I began to witness to him, and, and uh, oh, he began to say all kinds of things and go into the Hebrew, and, and uh, I just kind of looked at him, and I said, that's nothing but commentary, what you're saying. And, you know, he actually kind of chuckled, and he said, yeah, he said, you're right. And then I proceeded to give him chapter and verse, subject matter, you know. It's like the Jewish woman that got witnessed to and uh, that we believe in one God. And, and they were trying to convince this Jewish woman. And she had her Bible there. And they had her turn to Isaiah 9 and 6, where it said, Unto us a child is born, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And she read that, and that Jewish woman lifted her eyes, and she said, Isaiah, how could you? <laughs> well, Isaiah could by the Holy Ghost, and that's what Isaiah did. <laughs> Amen. And, and it's right there in the Scriptures, church family, if we just stay with chapter and verse and get away, and, and get away far away from things that are not represented in the Scriptures. I'm not interested in hearing terms and words and that have doctrines attached to them that are not represented in this book in subject matter. That will damn your soul to hell. You want to get the apostles' doctrine, which is the doctrine of Christ. And you want to speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And so he goes on to teach here. And in teaching, uh, verse 7, he said, and he, well, verse 6, Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things... Showing thyself a pattern of good works. Now there's a good, clear instruction on what we need to be doing in our tri-city area. We need to show. Didn't Jesus say, he that heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you whom he's like. So God wants to show us all, not for fleshly gain, but so that we can let our light so shine that men can see the good works and glorify our Father, who is a spirit. Amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. So in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing un corruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech, that cannot be condemned. And he that is of the contrary part 
that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Everybody said, praise the Lord. He said, exert, exhort servants or those who are working for somebody to be obedient unto their own employers and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining. We're not thieves. Him that stole, let him steal no more. That's what your Bible teaches to the church. So Romans through Revelation, now that you're saved, Romans through Revelation is going to teach you and instruct you so that you can stay saved. Now that you believe and been saved by grace through faith, now you can stay under grace and not fall from grace. So he said, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity. You show a, a faithfulness. You show a pureness of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. That's what your Bible says. That they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. We want to be the right kind of ornament. Okay? We want to adorn the doctrine of Christ. We want to go forth and let that light shine. There's not anything in our lives that we want to be competing with God. Everything we do, we want it to reflect to God's glory. So that's what the writer's saying here. Okay? Showing all good fidelity and showing yourself a pattern. Isn't that what the Lord told Moses when he showed him in the mountain? He said, see that thou do it according to the pattern. Fashion it according to the pattern." I showed you. We're not going to make any changes here. You're not to make any changes here. And so it is. There's a pattern to the doctrine of Christ. There's a pattern to that apostle's doctrine. And we're not to change that. We're to, we're to be a good reflection of that. And we're to adorn ourselves in a manner. And to adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. In such a manner. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking, I'm not looking for the next home run over the fence. I'm not looking for the next touchdown. I'm not looking for all the next things that the world is producing, you know, the next video, the next game, the next movie that Hollywood comes up with. I'm not, I'm not looking for the next uh, star that they can produce, okay? I'm not, I'm not interested in Hollywood stars. I'm interested, the Bible said about turning people to righteousness and that the ones that do that will be like the stars of heaven. Oh, yeah. So teaching us that denying ungodliness. There is some denial that has to go on, isn't there? There's some denial. There's a, Denial is not just a river in Egypt. There's some self-denial. There's some, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm going to show a pattern here. A pattern. Okay? People are looking. People are watching. People are observing. And people have been, what's that old word, horn-swoggled? <laughs> they've, been, they've been deceived. They've been, been, you know, given so much falseness in life. People that claim to be oh so saved. I uh, remember when our, one of our present post office people worked down at the dealership and uh, I went down to get a part, and I uh, saw this guy, and he had a shirt on. It said Apostle. And I thought, hmm. And so I said to the person that I know that was in our church, I said, what about that guy with the Apostle thing? He goes, oh. He said, he cusses like a sailor. He said, he's got the foulest, dirtiest mouth. 
Well, you know what? I'm, I'm glad God's apostles, you know, they don't do that. No corrupt communication, they said, come forth out of your mouth. Okay. But that you would speak things that are encouraging, uplifting, edifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's very, um, I'm sure it's disheartening if you were really hungry and you went to a tree that proclaimed to be an apple tree or an orange tree or even a pear and you are looking and the fruit is rotten, no good. It'd be very disappointing if your hunger was great and your desire was great. And you know, we have a world, we have a tri-city area that's in great hunger, whether they acknowledge it or not. There's great hunger. Not, not physical hunger. Forget that. Spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger. And they've been fed such false lines and false doctrines and, and such hypocrisy. You know, such hypocrisy. So much fake and phony. And, uh, but there is a truth. And there is, there is that true light. And we want to bring that we want to show them that pattern. They need to see people that live the life. The Lord said, people that hear my sayings and do them, I'll show you to whom they're like. And he said, they're like somebody that digs deep and lays the foundation on, a, on the rock. And who is a rock? Save our God. And his name is Jesus. His name was always Jesus. But it took the fullness of time for it to be revealed. What a day it was. How many righteous people longed for that day of the Messiah. Moses said, God's going to raise one up like unto me. And him you're going to hear. And if not, woe unto you, because you'll be scattered then. And, uh, and that day came. I wonder... Simeon came out of that temple that day when they brought that baby to him. And he came out, friend, and he lifted up that child in his arms. And he said, Now, Lord, I can depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Oh, friend, your faithfulness will be rewarded. One foot in front of another, no matter who says anything, no matter how much peer pressure that you're going to face. You know, what was it said of the Apostle Paul? Can you imagine what a turnaround was in his life? He'd been throwing people in jail, holding the garments of them that were stoning people of the truth. And that which he persecuted now, he's preaching it? What kind of opposition? And you get a glimpse of it in the Scripture. So, we all have family, natural. And we all have co-workers or schoolmates, ex-schoolmates. All kinds of things in our sphere of influence, if you please. All the more reason for you to obey the truth and show them the light and dig deep and lay this foundation on a rock. And what better area than to know about digging deep in the rock, right? Because you can't build on the muck. You can't do that. The muck is the same as water. It's unstable. It has no compactability. So you got to drive those pilings through and put that steel down till it settles in that plate on the rock pour it with concrete and tie it all together and pour a great beam. The only other way, if you're not any deeper than seven feet on average, is to dig it all out down to the rock and then backfill it with compactable soil. And then you can do your foundation. Dig deep. Get down in the scripture. Get down in chapter and verse. 
get down to subject matter. I want to have what Peter, James, and John, and Mary, the mother of the flesh, and the other devout women had. I want to be a part of that continuation. I want to uh, be able to, through a common faith and salvation, join ranks, if you please, with those that persevered in spite of any kind of adversity, tribulation, persecution, that they persevered, that they loved Jesus that much, that they put him above everything for themselves. He is above everything, but they did it for themselves. They put him above everything. And if it cost them, it cost them. That's just the way it was going to be. And they that's why some, you know, were sawn asunder. Hidden dens and mountains and caves and all kinds of under all kinds of unpleasant conditions. But they did it. They persevered. They hung in there. Okay? Because the grace had come that brought the salvation. And it taught us something. It taught us we've got some denying to do. We've got some denying to do. We've got to get away from some things. We've got to cut off some things. We've got to repent of some things. We, you know, what, what kind of pattern am I showing this whole area? How involved am I in the work? Jeanne felt, she said, well, it's Sunday. She said, so Sunday morning, Sunday night. She said, then Monday night prayer. Then Tuesday night church in Fort Myers. Then Wednesday night back here. And then she said, we got Thursday and Friday to get ready for Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> But there's plenty to be involved in. Plenty to be involved in. And everybody said hallelujah. Everybody said praise the Lord. Give God a big hand. Come on. Amen. I, I forgot to mention that's Friday night youth. Don't forget that. And then Saturday we have outreach. And some of you are forgetting that. But thank God those of you that don't. And a good opportunity to get out among our Tri-City area, and invite people to God's house and show people the truth of the Scripture. And we are thankful for the growth, and we're thankful for hopefully be opening our new building the first sometime in the first quarter of the year, 2015. I hope and pray that God will determine that that will take place. Good thing is, what we've done so far is paid for, and we thank God for that. Everybody said Hallelujah. hallelujah. Well, give God another big hand. God bless you. All right, sister. You can bring Brother Williams with you, and he can help sing if you like. We like those husband-wife teams, you know. All right. Everybody said praise the Lord. Anybody else that's scheduled to help sing, just come right on up. We're glad you're here. We love and appreciate you. And uh, we, wanna, we want to uh, go into the, a very important part of our service. After we take the offering, we're going to, we're going to sing and worship and come to the front. And I everybody's invited. It's just a time of family prayer. And if you're sick, we'll pray for you. God will heal you. If you don't yet have the gift of the Holy Ghost, we'll pray for you that God will give you the Holy Ghost. The gift of eternal life. Amen. The gift of God. For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The gift of God is the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the comforter, all right? That's the comforter. And all oh, there was many of them, like Moses. You know, Moses couldn't go into Canaan land, but he could look. God let him look. He said, get you up on the mountain. You take a good look, but you're not going in. Well, that's because Moses represented the law. And it was time for a shadow and type to be given of grace, of grace, the time in which you and I live. And oh, brother, they... They longed for that Messiah to come. And that day did come. Slide over, gentlemen. That day did come when he came. And when the fullness of time was come, the Spirit sent forth the flesh, made of a woman, under the law, under the time of the law, to redeem them that were under the law. And there was a necessity 
or a change. And so grace, grace came. And now it's whosoever will. It's not going to be just a few elect. It's going to be for, and has been since Acts chapter 2, for whosoever will could come and take freely of the water of life. Everybody said amen. amen. Well, let's stand together. God love your heart. We love you and we appreciate you. Let's sing and worship the Lord just a moment, if you will. Yeah.